back to the Doggy Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 103, Thursday, December 3rd, 2020, and I am coming to you live from the great state of Colorado. Miss Juice and I have been out on the road for the past few weeks, and of course we had to make our first long stop out here in Denver so I could attack the flourishing sports betting market here in the Rocky Mountain State. There are so many outs and so many options for us bettors, and it's creating a competitive marketplace with competitive pricing. And just over a year ago, the people of Colorado barely passed sports betting. I was actually out here the weekend before the vote. It was Halloween weekend, so I like to joke around that I helped tip the scales because every single person that I came across at my sister's Halloween party that weekend and out in the bars that weekend, I, I told them to vote yes to sports betting, and the vote was decided by a very small margin, just a few thousand Uh, But I digress there. I've mentioned this multiple times here on the Doggy Juice Pod, though, that right here in Colorado, this is the state that's best equipped for a vast and successful sports betting market in the coming years. Uh, The state law here is the most reasonable of the bunch of all the states that have legalized sports betting. Over half of them now have. Uh, But there's lower barriers to entry for the operators here in the form of lower licensing fees relative to other states, lower tax rates, and fewer encumbrances for operators seeking to enter the space. It's turned out to be pretty much the official testing ground uh, for companies looking to enter the regulated sports betting space here in the U.S., the, the perfect spot for a trial run, so to speak. And the people here in Colorado are benefiting as a result. It's giving room for operators to breathe and not slamming them with unnecessary restrictions like we're seeing in my home state of Illinois. You can't even bet on Illinois college teams in that state, which makes zero sense because it just drives the action to the illegal markets and and offshore. And here in Colorado, the way they have things set up, it, it allows operators to be more innovative and competitive with one another. And that's better for everyone in the long term and in the short term. It offers more competitive pricing for us betters, which in turn keeps us betters betting legally with these legal regulated operators instead of taking more of our action offshore or into the you know, the illegal black market, which of course in turn is better for the integrity of the sports to be watched because it keeps more of the betting above board so we can track irregular betting patterns and know where the money's coming from, and of course it's better for the taxpayers who get to see more state revenue as a result of a good sports betting law. So it's really not rocket science, people, and I've been saying this, uh, I've been spewing this same spiel for the past two-plus years here on the Doggy Juice Pod, and we've already seen uh, Colorado and other states like New Jersey who are getting this right reap the benefits, while other states who are not getting this right, those are getting left behind. But Like I said, Colorado is the place to be for legal, regulated sports betting right now. And here's the list of current Colorado betting apps. you got DraftKings, FanDuel, BetRivers, Circa, BetMGM, PointsBet, William Hill, FoxBet, BetFred, BetMonarch, BetWildwood, Elite Sportsbook, Smarkets, uh, SkyUte, which uh, Robert Walker and U.S. Bookmaking, they run that book. They have fantastic odds there. And the ScoreBet. But there's even more to come. Play Up, Bet America, Bet 365, Penn, and the Superbook, just to name a few. So simply put, it's a sports better's paradise here in Colorado. And a perfect case in point, just this morning, and kudos to friend of the pod, Joe Rogers, for first bringing this to my attention. But you could have had Wisconsin minus one against Marquette at Circus Sports ahead of that in their uh, game tomorrow on Friday. I'm recording this Thursday. Um, but you could have had Marquette plus eight at the Camby books, namely DraftKings, Bet Rivers, and Barstool at the same time. So that's a massive middle, uh, laying one point and then taking eight on the other side. Obviously, the market will correct itself rather quickly, of course, because 
especially as limits rise, but that's the type of stuff I'm talking about with so many different operators balancing their own books. It's better for us betters, and it's the type of betting utopia that I envision for the future. It's going to get even better from here, especially as other states figure it out. But speaking of Circa, I have to give them a special shout-out because they're the bee's knees. And, and no, they're not paying me for saying any of this, but Circa has great ownership and great odds makers. But what really sets them apart is that they are true they're true bookmakers who can book their way out of action. The philosophies that they have are correct there. And, and you saw it on display this week when Matt, Matt Metcalf uh, of Circus Sports was on Follow the Money on, on VEASAN, on the Follow the Money show on Wednesday morning this week. It, it's really worth the listen if you have a VEASAN subscription, but he basically dove into their philosophy there early on, obviously with Derek Stevens leading the way at Circus Sports. But uh, Matt Metcalf was stressing how betters can help shape the line, and that could be advantageous for bookmakers uh, to know where the sharp money is. And betters knowing that certain limits are going to be available for them at certain times is very important as well because those betters can be a resource for the bookmakers. So establishing that trust and that respect for betters actually serves to benefit the book. And you're not seeing other books, namely a lot of these European operators come in uh, with their style of bookmaking. It's, it's in direct contrast to what to what Circa's doing. So Colorado is... It's the perfect case study for the different bookmaking styles that we're seeing. The, the quote-unquote American style, like circus sports, accepting more liquidity and more sharp action versus the quote-unquote European style, which you know, features the usual suspects, DraftKings, FanDuel, William Hill being the biggest culprit. Um, and those sites are quick to limit sharps or anyone that has shown that they have the chops to beat the book in the long term. And I've, I've gone on record here with this, but Bet Rivers hasn't allowed me to bet more than $12 on a college football game in several months, for several months now. It's not the way things should be done uh, because all that serves to do is just drive more action offshore and to the illegal market, which is bad for everyone, especially the taxpayer. So we have to keep fighting the good fight on this, obviously educating our lawmakers and regulators, educating the talking heads on TV who have a platform and think they know what they're talking about when it comes to sports betting. I'm not going to name any names there, but we also have to know that this entire process is going to take some time. But uh, for an example of a state that has, for the most part, figured it out, uh, turn no further than where I am right now, that's Colorado, or even a state like New Jersey, who we can thank for getting PASPA overturned in the first place and bringing us to where we are today. We've come a long way since PASPA was overturned just over two and a half years ago, and it's exciting to think about where we're going to go from here. But speaking of Colorado and New Jersey, October sportsbook handle Uh, Numbers are out everywhere except Illinois, and we're on track to see over $3 billion wagered legally here in the U.S. in the month of October this year. Colorado, where I am right now, set a new monthly record like they do every single month, taking in $210.7 million in bets in October, bringing the total reported in October up to $2.82 billion without including Illinois yet, of course. But for reference, September's total handle across the country was $2.87 billion, so just above where what's already been reported now for October. Uh, so we already knew the $3 billion threshold would be hit and surpassed in October. And Illinois accounted for $305 million in September. And since we're going to see that number rise for October in the land of Lincoln, it's just a matter of seeing how far past $3 billion in handle that we saw for the month of October once we get those numbers. So it's only going to continue to go up from here. Very exciting times ahead. And Canada, too. We're about to see a major shakeup north uh, with a new law being introduced in the Canadian Parliament and the government's plans 
the Canadian government's plans to end the federal ban on single-game sports betting. Sports gambling already exists to a certain extent in Canada with the lottery-run uh, monopoly that's going on over there, but this new push would allow private operators to enter the space and open for business. So exciting times are ahead, not only here in the U.S., but also uh, with our neighbors to the north who are looking to follow suit. But, man, you just wonder, the sports betting thing, it's really starting to catch on, isn't it? But as always, the Doggy Juice Pod will be your home for the latest developments when it comes to state-by-state and now Canadian sports betting legalization. Yeah, baby! (laughs) Let's move it on here. How about we dive into the nitty-gritty? We've got some college hoops, college football, and NFL to get to, so let's do this thing. We are already over a week into the 2020-2021 college basketball season. And I don't know about you guys, but everything has hit so fast. I mean, everything hit so fast last week with Thanksgiving going on and obviously college football and the NFL. As we know, college basketball usually starts in early November, but late start this year on November 25th due to COVID-19. But we've had games left and right, and a lot of them have been very sloppy, that's for sure. But Toledo... Eastern Kentucky and Texas Arlington are off to a 4-0 start against the spread as I record this on Thursday afternoon, early Thursday afternoon. We have a handful of programs sitting at 3-0 against the spread, including number two Baylor and Clemson as well. Mississippi Valley State is the lone 0-4 against the spread team. Same story as last year with Mississippi Valley State overs as well. It's It really can be as simple as playing their opponent's team total over because you literally can't set those numbers high enough right now. The market will correct itself eventually, though, but be on the lookout for those sky-high totals on on, uh, Mississippi Valley State games. I know it's something that that we were on here even at the start of last season, and the market corrected itself over time, but this team looks to be just as bad, if not worse, than it was last year. Another team that is absolutely god-awful, and everyone knows it, yet oddsmakers can't seem to be... Uh, pricing their spreads high enough, and that's Chicago State, already sitting at 0-3 against the spread to start the season and not covering their games by an average of 12.2 points per game, despite being massive double-digit underdogs in literally every single matchup. But um, at the same time, Mississippi Valley State is still ranked last on Ken Palm right now. So those are those are your bottom-of-the-barrel teams, and really it, it was as simple as playing those teams early on because we knew those teams were going to be bad, and they're just, when you look at a bell curve of the teams there just on one end of the spectrum completely. But yeah, that's those are those are the bottom of the barrel teams, but notable teams that are off to a slow start relative to market expectations that, that are more familiar teams in the Power Five. Kansas State, they're 0-3 against the spread along with Auburn and Arizona State. Bowling Green in the MAC as well at 0-3 against the spread. And uh, Northern Iowa and Evansville in the NBC also at 0-3 against the spread. But it's early, folks. Remember, it's with more uncertainty comes more opportunity in the marketplace, and we have a lot of fun stuff coming up in college hoops, and we have some fire matchups on the horizon, too. None of them are more fired than number one Gonzaga against number two Baylor on Saturday. That lines up. The Zags opened up as four-and-a-half-point favorites in that one, which is unfortunately that's right around where I have it. Slight lean to the dog in that game, but I'd need at least five points to even consider getting involved, and even at five, I would only get involved for pizza money, so I would really need to see plus seven uh, for anything serious. Gonzaga is that good, that much better on my power rating. So I agree with the market on that game, but it's time to move on to the gridirons. I have a bunch of plays for you all in college football in the NFL this week. So let's start it out with, uh, with a look at college football. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. 
getting all swollen. It will be very interesting to see what happens down the stretch here with the college football rankings, the college football playoff rankings. Remember, the committee chooses what it wants to in terms of the college football playoff. And, and yes, this is largely outside of what we want to pay attention to in terms of, of betting and, and the, our efforts in finding betting value on the betting boards. But it does matter in the sense that it impacts how the teams themselves are motivated moving forward and, and the coaches and and uh, what they're trying to do on the field, especially in end games. Like, do the Buckeyes, Ohio State, do they run up the score late in games now knowing that they're going to be playing a lot fewer games than their counterparts who are competing with them for that playoff spot? So digging further into the tea leaves can give us uh, more insight into how coaches and players are thinking. So it is important to keep that stuff in mind, and it's important uh, from the aspect of maybe be more willing to lay it with these bigger teams when it's a situation where I usually don't like to, but when you look at Ohio State lane 24 on the road at uh, Michigan State, or even a team like Oklahoma, outside chance, but you know, laying 21 and a half in their matchup, those are teams, you know, you, it's not the worst thing ever. And actually, Oklahoma does show on my stuff. I would bet them at uh, lane three touchdowns. I haven't got to it yet, but um, it's all stuff to consider. Urban Meyer looks like he could potentially be on his way to Texas, from what I'm hearing. At least um, I know the Texas brass. Apparently went up to Columbus this week and met with his people, but that's something to pay attention to. Ohio State is cleaning up the recruiting in, in the Lone Star State over the past few years. I think the Longhorns took in like one of the top 20 Texas recruits in the most recent recruit, recruiting class or something like that. So total indictment on Tom Herman, who's surely on his way out of Austin now. You already saw players that are that are opting out of that program, and that's something also to pay special attention to. It's more, more and more players are opting out in the upcoming weeks. We've already seen it now uh, just recently with the aforementioned Texas players, but particularly players who want to focus on the NFL draft, playing for teams that have underachieved relative to preseason expectations. And now with COVID, we're going to see even more and more players opt out even earlier than their bowl game. So obviously the aforementioned Texas, I already mentioned them. Uh, they recently saw a top left tackle and a safety opt out just recently. And we've seen we've seen it with um, Central Florida, with their top receiver, Williams. LSU with one of their top receivers, Marshall. Uh, guys like Oklahoma State's left tackle Tevin Jenkins. We've also you know, we all be wise now to look at some of these teams uh, and keep this stuff on our radar over the next few weeks because all this uncertainty does create opportunity on the betting boards. And it's important to note that sometimes the market doesn't take these into account, but sometimes the market over adjusts when taking some of these opt outs into account. So this endeavor that we're in is part science. Part art, you have to find the right values on players and, and, and uh, how they're going to, how their absence is going to impact the team. Sometimes cluster injuries can really add up uh, to a team. But things are not pretty in the Big Ten this week either. And a tweet from Jeremy Werner at jwerner247 from earlier in the week summed it up pretty succinctly. Ohio State paused team activities earlier in the week, although obviously now they're slated to play against Michigan State as 24-point favorites. But Michigan paused their team activities. Minnesota was shut down after 40 positive tests in a 10-day period, which means Northwestern will likely clinch the West after their game with Minnesota was canceled. Um, Indiana star quarterback Penix tore his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year now. And on top of that, Wisconsin has only played three games. The usual top dogs in the conference are doing very poorly. <laughs> Michigan is at 2-4. and four. Penn State's at 1-5. and five. Nebraska, 1-4. and four. Things are really opening up for my Iowa Hawkeyes right now in the West, potentially, so that's something also to pay attention to. But um, speaking of Indiana, Jack Tuttle is going to replace Penix, um, and there's some debate right now on the drop-off in, in value from Penix to Tuttle. And 
just a little thing on Tuttle. He was a four-star recruit. Obviously, he's a transfer, but he, he was highly recruited. He, the drop-off on both these quarterbacks really isn't as big, I think, as the market was letting on, in my opinion. But I've heard some sharps say that just a one-and-a-half to two-point drop is warranted. Well, I've heard others whose opinions I tend to trust they're saying that it's more like a five-point drop-off. So we saw that line go up to 15. Now it's settled uh, down to 14. But lining this game, that game between Indiana and Wisconsin, completely depends on how one values that drop-off from Penix to Tuttle for Indiana. But I I tend to side with – I haven't gotten involved, but I do side with with the camp that the overreaction was a little too harsh, especially at at 15. I wish I got a piece of that. I do agree with the market uh, correcting itself and going back to 14 on that one. Um, number 14, Coastal Carolina's game was canceled against Liberty, and now instead Coastal is going to host number 8, BYU, this weekend. It's an obvious bid to boost each program's prospects, uh, postseason prospects. BYU is around 10, a 10-point favorite in that one. I do lean their way at that price, but not enough quite to get involved. If it dips below 10, then I really have to take a serious look at that, though. Uh, Alabama versus LSU is this weekend. Bama's laying, I'm seeing 29, 29 and a half in that game. The preseason line for that one was Bama minus two. That's how far down the defending champs have been downgraded this year. A lot of it's due to opt-outs, obviously on top of last year's departures and everything else going on with that team. But in fact, I've downgraded LSU so much this season that last year's LSU team would be favored by over 30 points against this year's LSU team on a neutral field. That's how crazy the drop-off's been from the team right now to last year. But that just doesn't happen. We doubt, I doubt we see a drop like that again from a top program like LSU anytime soon. But uh, it's actually more of a testament to how good their team was last year, I think. But moving on to games that I like this week. Tennessee, plus 17.5 hosting Florida. It's been tough sledding for the Volunteers lately, but... That's why we're seeing an inflated price in this matchup against Heisman favorite Kyle Trask and the Gators. It's just a simple numbers play here, but we're actually getting tons of value betting on the home dog, uh, the home dog that hasn't covered or won a game in five straight. But I love this spot, catching 17.5 in the Dimers bot over the quick pick section at dimers.com. Agrees with the doggy juice model on this one too. The Dimers bot is showing a nice 4.3% edge on the home dog, catching 17.5 here. So Tennessee. Plus 17.5. I'm laying it with this one, but Utah minus 11 against Oregon State. It's the ultimate letdown spot for the Beavers after beating their in-state rival Oregon last week. And Utah, they're 0-2 so far, but really, I mean, that's that's an 0-2 team that's played in competitive games. They should bring max motivation into this one, their third game with their backs against the wall. But another reason that I like this one is because Oregon State quarterback Tristan Gebbia looks like he is out for this game too. I usually don't like laying points, but uh, this is an excellent spot to back the Utes in a primo letdown spot for the Beavers. I actually like the Utes in the first half. I think that's another angle that you should look at playing, so be sure to diversify with some Utah first half in this one as well. A total for you all? Iowa State, West Virginia, under 49.5. Call that one good at 49 or better. We were on Iowa State and on the under in Iowa State's matchup last week, which obviously we won against Texas. That was a crazy end game too, but um, and that was the post-Thanksgiving game on, on uh, post-Thanksgiving Day game on Friday. But the market still hasn't quite caught up here, in my opinion, on the Cyclones totals. And Iowa State, they're facing a West Virginia program that features one of the nation's best defenses. 
They're only allowing 4.3 yards per game and 18.9 points per game. And per college football handicapper Paul Stone, West Virginia's seven Big Ten opponents scored seven less points on average when playing against the Mountaineers. So that's something, obviously, to pay attention to. West Virginia is also really rounded into form, I think, at the right time right now with their defense. And like I touched on last week, Iowa State has a very strong defense as well. They're allowing opponents just 4.9 yards per play at home this season. So the Cyclones, they're favored by 6.5 points here. Number 96 in the nation in plays per game. And so pace-wise, shouldn't be that fast if they're controlling the proceedings. So under 49.5 in Ames on Saturday. Another side I like, Auburn. Plus seven at home against Texas A&M. Sprinkle some money line at plus 220 here as well. Yes, Auburn's down this year. They've dropped big time in success rate on offense and defense. While A&M, they're right on the cusp of the college football playoff. But one of our mottos here on the Doggy Juice Pod is taken from the legendary odds maker Jimmy Vaccaro, who likes to say, pros bet teams, Joes bet numbers. I make this game just under four on my numbers, so Auburn at home catching a full touchdown in this spot is a very good bet this week. The Tigers, they always seem to have a big signature win, like every single year uh, in this spot, too, it almost seems. So I really think this could be the one where they obviously are going to challenge to win the game outright, but have a great chance of covering the seven and keeping this a one-score game at home. So Auburn plus seven at home against A&M in the SEC. And then going back to the well with Oklahoma State this week, outright money line, minus 120 can be found on the road at TCU. This line has dipped a little bit. Uh, money has come in on TCU, but and I think a lot of that's because TCU's coming off that monster win over Kansas. And But they're dealing with COVID issues. In Oklahoma State last week, that was a brutal end game for us. We laid it with Oklahoma State against Texas Tech. That was brutal uh, the way that one ended, but uh, it is what it is. That's part of, that's like the pleasure, that's the price we pay for doing business. Uh, but um it's partly why we're getting value here on Oklahoma State as well. So no question they're going to be motivated in this game. They're the better team. So call this one good at anything less than a field goal. But find the money line right now that's out there at minus 120 or better on Oklahoma State to beat TCU on Saturday. All right, time to move on to NFL Week 13. Hello! We are entering the home stretch now. Two teams have bye weeks this week, the Bucks and the Panthers in the NFC South. And I think that really benefits Brady and the Bucks this late in the season, you know, not having to play week 13 and then going in and just playing a few more weeks before the playoffs start. So expect them to come out of their bye week hot, especially with extra time to assimilate with Antonio Brown on offense. This is probably the time to buy low on Tampa Bay, to be honest, if you're looking to play on them for a deeper playoff run this year. I do have them ranked number four on my power ratings behind the Chiefs, Steelers, and the Packers, although the Saints will bump up when Breeze comes back. But in reality, it's a very close pack of teams from 3 through 11, really. I only have about two points separating number 3 Green or Green Bay and, and number 11 Buffalo. So that kind of shows how tight things are at the top. But the Chiefs are the clear number 1, Steelers the clear number 2. Teams that have already clinched their season win totals heading into Week 13, the 49ers under 10.5, Cowboys under 10, the Steelers over 9.5, the Eagles under 9.5, the Jets under 6.5, and and the Dolphins over 6. If you listen back to the official Doggy Juice Pod NFL season preview pod before the season, uh, we recommended, or at least I I gave leans on on every single team total, or most of them, but we were all over that 49ers under, the Steelers over, the Eagles under, the Jets under, and the Dolphins over. The Cowboys 
uh, the ones I mentioned, those are the only ones that we were up around here, but obviously that season-ending injury to Dak Prescott had everything to do with that train wreck, or at least getting that train wreck in motion, because things are pretty bad down in Dallas right now, but uh, yeah, that NFC East is something special, isn't it? <laughs> but um, COVID is obviously, you know, continues to impact the season on a day-to-day and week-by-week basis, and it's shaken up the schedule for this week as well. We've got a Monday night football doubleheader plan now. But before I jump into the official Doggy Juice Pod Week 13 NFL plays, the resident Doggy Juice Pod, the degenerate, the Danimal, and friend of the pod, the Sage, a.k.a. Better Call Paul, they're back to let you know a few sides that they're on this weekend. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, the Danimal, checking in Thursday morning. Last week was rough. The Giants, backdoor city. I knew it. The whole game, they kept kicking field goals, turnovers, field goals. It was so obvious, so obvious that backdoor was coming. Then yesterday, Wednesday, weirdest game ever, backdoored again. Ravens, garbage touchdown. I mean, I don't know what to do. I'm just getting backdoored left and right. This week, two winners, lock them up, Bills. Traveling to Arizona to play the 49ers. That line, I'm giving one, one and a half? Come on, get out of here. Bills, easy. They love the warm weather. That offense is going to fly. 49ers didn't look great against the Rams. Somehow won that game. Give me the Bills by a touchdown over the 49ers. Second game, the Raiders. They stink. Got blown out. Bounce back. Jets are the bounce-back team to play against. How do you not take them? This line should be way more, but they got blown out. Miami should have blown out the Jets last week. They did. Should have won by more. I'll give eight. I'll give nine. Raiders win by double digits. Bills, Mafia, Raiders, lock them up. Two winners. No backdoors this week. Danimal, out. Hey, everybody. This is Sage, a.k.a. Uh, Better Call Paul. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we are on the home stretch now towards the end of 2020. Um, got a few plays for this week, uh, one in college and then one in the NFL. Uh, still looking on some other ones, but two bets that I already have locked in. Uh, Saturday, uh, the Mountaineers are at the Cyclones. That's West Virginia versus Iowa State. Uh, got the Mountaineers at plus seven uh currently at plus six and a half um they were off last week coming off a bye iowa state a big win down in austin uh like the mountaineers their defense to keep this within a one score game i think they could even win outright as they still are playing for a chance to get in the big 12 uh championship game a lot of things need to happen but they can cause some chaos with a w this week um so i think they put their best foot forward and then moving to the nfl on sunday uh, i know they just lost to this team uh, about a week ago but i like the falcons at plus three i locked it in earlier this week at plus three and a half but now it's currently at plus three minus 120 um i know that they just lost and the spread i believe was four or five on the road um 
I think it's a quick turnaround playing the same team in 14 days. Uh, very tough to beat, especially with your backup quarterback. I know Taysom Hill beat him last time, but uh, hasn't impressed me with anything too much with his arm. I think the Falcons uh, are a little underrated. They, they had a lot of fluky losses at the beginning of the season, but uh, I think they like playing for Raheem Morris, and I think they give their best effort here. Uh, quick turnaround with a home underdog at plus three, plus three and a half. Um, I like the Falcons this week, so good luck to everyone. Hope you have a great weekend and uh, let's win some money. Talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. Thank you very much to the Danimal and the Sage. Good luck with your action this weekend. Time to close out this episode with the official Doggy Juice Pod Week 13 NFL Plays. The Cleveland Browns. I bet a lot of you guessed that one would be first. But the Browns plus six and Moneyline plus 215. There's a point spread tax on the Titans right now. We were on the Titans last week, but the Colts were banged up in that matchup. They lost some old linemen in-game during that game as well, and then the Titans ended up blowing them out, putting up 45 points on the scoreboard, but that's helping open up value for us this week on the road team here. The Browns, I have this game power rated. Titans minus 3.2, but that's not even adjusting for the spot here, and that's the Titans in a letdown spot after that big uh, revenge game win against their... Uh, divisional rival, but the Browns get Miles Garrett back. They can also go toe-to-toe with the Titans in the run game, obviously with Nick Chubb uh, leading the way there. And Baker Mayfield should also be able to have his way against a very vulnerable Tennessee secondary. So this becomes a very good play if we see plus seven ever show up in the marketplace. But I doubt that one ever shows unless a key injury comes up or something unexpected with COVID. But this is still a great bet at plus six. So the Browns catching the six points against the Titans, best bet. The Broncos, plus 14. It's ugly, I know, but this is the ultimate flat spot for the Chiefs. The look-ahead line on this game was 13 last week, but the Broncos obviously didn't have a damn quarterback in their last game. I tried to tell them I'm in town here in Denver, and I could have offered my arm, my services here, but uh, they wouldn't suit me up last week, the Denver Broncos. Shame on them. But uh, the Chiefs, They've shown that they can be complacent in this spot in the past. It's a divisional game, so there's more familiarity between the two teams here. And like I said, it's the ultimate letdown sandwich spot for the Chiefs as well. They were at the Raiders, at the Bucks. Now they return home for one week, and then they have to tie up a lot of loose ends, personal loose ends at home before they leave for two more road games. And those are bigger games against the Dolphins at Miami and at the Saints coming up on their schedule. So this is one you could see where they didn't pay attention. Uh, they're not going to spend as much time in practice with the same pep in their step, especially with limited time at home over the next uh, few weeks and, and, and over the past previous few weeks. So it's really a good spot to get after the Broncos because all the intangibles are in their favor. Make sure you're catching at least two touchdowns if you're going to take the plunge with me on this one. There's a chance that the line could continue to go up with more public money. Looking to back the Chiefs, um, obviously, heading into game day, they're going to attract more of the Joe Public betters, and the ticket splits are going to reflect that, obviously. So maybe the best avenue is to lock in a little bit of plus 14 right now with the intention of adding to your position later in the weekend if the line moves up north of two touchdowns, with, which is entirely possible right now. So, But call this one good if plus 14 or better, the Broncos against the Chiefs. Not for a full position, but going back to the well this weekend with the Falcons catching three points at home against the Saints and hearing uh, Sage, a.k.a. better call Paul on this one, makes uh, makes it an even stronger play in my opinion. But make sure you shop around. Uh, you can find a plus three at minus 115 or better because obviously 
you want to catch that full field goal and not take plus two and a half when you could have had three or three and a half earlier in the week. But those plus threes and minus 115, those are still out there as I record this on Thursday. I'm at least seeing it at a few spots. These two teams played just a couple weeks ago. And if you remember, the marketplace dropped that line down uh, from Saints minus five, minus five and a half down to minus three, minus three and a half. I agree with the line move. I was part of that line move. Obviously, that did not cash for us that game, but now we're seeing a similar line two weeks later with the home team flipped, though. I'm just not sold on Taysom Hill as a quarterback. He still hasn't thrown a touchdown pass this season, uh, mind you, and the Falcons, they're getting another quick look at him after being the first team to encounter him as a starter just a couple short weeks ago, so the Falcons' defense, sneaky number 15 in defensive DVOA at Football Outsiders, and they're going to bring momentum into this game after last week's blowout win against the Raiders, which we were on here on the podcast last week. So that should have them primed here in a divisional spot. So catching a full field goal, not a full position, but the Falcons plus three at home again. And of course, diversifying the portfolio with some money line as well on the dog. The Chargers are a perplexing team this week. It's a very unique spot. They're hosting the Patriots at home in a situation where the intangibles clearly favor them. Well, all of the intangibles except one, and it's a glaring one, and I'm sure you know what it is. I'm about to get to it in a second, but power ratings-wise, my power ratings make this a pretty clear play on the Chargers. They're the better team, very clearly. They're at home. Patriots are traveling cross-country after a, a pretty emotional, close game win at home. So situationally, it's a great spot to get on the Chargers, but the coaching mismatch in this matchup cannot be ignored. Bill Belichick... Perhaps the best coach in the history of organized football, but undoubtedly the best coach of our generation against quite literally the worst coach of our generation, possibly, or at the very least, the worst coach in the NFL right now, a guy who's in over his head in Anthony Lynn for the Chargers. And just to be clear, I have nothing against Anthony Lynn. He seems like a great guy and a great leader and a great coordinator, but he's in over his head as a head coach. And we've seen it time and time again, week after week. And this week, Bill Belichick gets to prepare for Anthony Lynn. They get to square off against each other. But one of the teams, the team that's led by the clear worst coach, uh, they're clearly better than the Patriots on my stuff. So I can't fault anyone for taking Chargers pick at minus 105. That's out there right now. Um, And it's a game that my numbers make almost exactly Chargers minus three. And a three-point power ratings discrepancy in the NFL only happens one or two times per week max, if at all. And this is one of them. But Downgrading for the coaching mismatch here, a coaching mismatch this profound is a tough art for us this week. And I don't know how to quantify it. Certainly, a coaching mismatch is not worth three points. But at the same time, this is the outlier situation where it's maybe the worst of all time versus the best of all time with a whole week to prepare. I don't know, man. It's hard. But I'll get more to the, uh, onto the Chargers later because I have a few more thoughts on them. But... In terms of our hometown Bears laying three at home against the Lions, this line did open six at a lot of spots, but obviously Matt Patricia's gone for Detroit as their coach, and the Lions appear to have not liked him at all. Um, Kenny Galladay apparently liked something on social media about the firing, uh, which gave us the ultimate clue there, but it's no secret that teams tend to play up in their first game with a new interim coach after their coach was fired. They You can attribute it to a lot of factors, but usually they have that newfound energy, a little pep in their step, and something can also be said for the the players themselves wanting to prove their worth, knowing that changes are coming. There's changes happening around them in the coaching staff and within the organization, so they want to 
prove that, hey, you know, I just don't want to get paid and this this is not me. And everyone's playing for themselves. Always remember that. All these guys are professionals being graded on every single play. So a team's tanking. It's not the players. It's the upper management, maybe even the coaches that are in on it. But that's always something to remember. But just this year, the Texans and the Falcons both won and covered in their first game after their head coaches got fired. And per R.J. Bell at R.J. in Vegas and the guys over at pregame.com, teams the week after a coach is fired since 2000, since the year 2000, those teams are 16 and 13 against the spread. But since 2009, they're 14 and 9 against the spread. Pay special attention to the health of DeAndre Swift and Kenny Galladay. But I do see a tiny bit of value on the Lions at plus three. I'm kicking myself for not getting down on that plus four and a half, plus five that was largely available on Monday morning for this game. And definitely not getting that, that uh, six that was out in the opener. But I would play a little bit on Detroit if we see plus three and a half show up and obviously increase the investment at plus four or better. But that line's something to monitor heading into the weekend. And closing out with teasers. Um, a few games fit our model of teasing through the key numbers of three and seven on a two-team six-point NFL teaser when you're laying VIG of minus 120 or less. Like I've said, if you have a book, and there are some out there that allow you to lay just minus 110, the standard minus 110 on a two-team six-point teaser, treat those books well. And keep them around for as long as you can. It's been a banner year for teasers, including here on the Doggy Juice Pod. We're seven and two on our official podcast teasers of the week this year, but we've been hitting on our teaser legs left and right. So it's been a a strong, strong year for teasers. One of the best I can remember. And uh, I went on teasers every single year and this year. It's, it's, it's even more so. And hopefully you listeners have been around uh, long for the ride on that because uh, it's been a really good run on teasers here. But before I move on to the teaser legs that fit that typical model, I have to mention the chargers again here. I talked to friend of the pod, Matt Landis earlier today about this. He's a big chargers fan himself. He's well aware of Anthony Lynn and the limitations, but he brought up the, the point that even though that line's a pick them, you can still find um, chargers plus one at some spots. And if you can, this is where it really works, but you can, it, it is worthy of playing the chargers on a six and a half point teaser. Obviously make sure to shop around and so you're not laying crazy vig on those because you have to lay a little bit more vig obviously in a six and a half point teaser but there's so many good options this week and the chargers i don't think they've lost a teaser leg all season lock i'm not saying they're due but my power ratings when they make them this strong and you know even when you factor in the coaching mismatch and if you don't want to play the side I, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to play chargers on the side but if you can tease them through through the seven so it doesn't land on a seven but get a six and a half point teaser that allows you to tease them up to seven and a half that's a great option this week on a six and a half point teaser. Uh, definitely worth a look this week. And obviously, we'll have to pay more VIG, but shop around for the best price. That's worthy of an option. In terms of teams that fit our, our standard model of teasing through seven and three on a six point teaser, the Raiders minus eight and a half to minus two and a half at the Jets is a very strong option. That one's starting to move too because uh, that line was minus eight right as I was starting to record this. So, that one's be on the lookout for that. But the Falcons, plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. Like I said, you can still find the Falcons at plus three at some spots. So that's way better math wise just to play the Falcons at plus three and some money line in that one. The Cardinals, similar spot, plus two and a half to plus eight and a half versus the Rams. But again, we're better off finding, if you're looking to play on the Cardinals, you're better off uh, finding a plus three and taking the home team on the side since there's plus threes out there. And just a quick note on that, it seems the teams have really figured out Kyler Murray 
uh, lately because my numbers do lean to the Cardinals in that game. But Kyler Murray, the past few weeks, it's like the book's out on him. Teams are blitzing him left and right, and he's uh, just not running the ball in the same way. So that's that's a cause for alarm for sure, especially against a Rams defense that's emerged as one of the top units in the league. So that's a stay-away game for me on the side perspective and from the teaser perspective too. But another one is the Packers, minus 8.5 down to minus 2.5. And, and FanDuel actually has... Packers at minus eight right now as I record this, so you could tease them down to two. And similar uh, uh, situation with the Steelers against Washington football team, you could tease them down to minus eight, uh, or sorry, from minus eight down to minus two in some spots. It's minus eight and a half to minus two and a half, but you always want to obviously shop around for the best price you can find because you'd be shocked how many times these bets lose by the hook. Um, and pay special attention to the 49ers. That line's a consensus plus one right now. Um, they're obviously playing the neutral spot against Buffalo. But that game could get back up to plus, you know, above plus one where we can tease them through in a classic Stanford Wong teaser that teases through three and seven. But that line was at three earlier in the week. So if you're looking to bet the Niners now, then you are late to the party, my friend. But for the official Doggy Juice Pod teaser of the week, let's call it the Packers down to minus two and a half and the Raiders down to minus two and a half. If you shop around, you can get both of those down to minus two right now in the marketplace. But since that's not the consensus price, we will grade this one as minus two and a half on either side for purposes of our grading here on the pod. We are seven and two on the official Doggy Juice Pod teasers of the week this year. So the losing year on that is officially mathematically impossible, but let's keep the train moving on those. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. And if you haven't entered it yet, be sure to sign up for the Dimers NFL Sweet Six competition every Sunday. You should start this week if you haven't already. It's free to play, so it's completely risk-free. It takes 30 seconds to sign up and make your picks. All you have to do is answer six out of six questions correctly, and you can win $1,000. Who doesn't want that extra dime to spend at the sports book? It's a no-brainer move, so just go to free to play dimers.com and sign up answer those six questions correctly and take home that one thousand dollars feel free to reach out to me privately if you have any questions about that but it's really straightforward go six for six win one thousand dollars exciting times ahead folks i have some fun news to share about myself on the career front in the coming weeks when the time is right uh, big things coming good luck with your action this week and i will talk to you all next week doggy juice out